Why do we care about that? Because we want to know how many particles is this source putting off into the environment that are becoming a part of our dust, that are recirculating into our air and opportunistically entering the body. Because that is how we start to not feel well. Is water damage in your home a big deal? Today, we're going to be answering all the details around water in your home, touching materials, bacteria, mold, air quality concerns, everything to do about whether or not your home is making you sick. Now, if you've been following the podcast for any amount of time, you've heard me talk about mold and parasites. And I had a pretty nasty mold experience when I was living in my condo in Calgary. The roof leaked. It took months to repair. I didn't know that it was making me sick. And a couple of years later, I started dealing with a ton of issues at the same time as going through a house reno, digging up mold and being exposed to it. So I know firsthand that mold ain't so great. Some people in the family don't respond to it, whereas other people do. And so today I want to go through, go down the rabbit hole of cleaning your home, understanding how to test your home, understanding the air quality of your home and why it's so important. But before we get into today's episode, I want to cover why this is such an issue and what sort of symptoms you're going to be experiencing. So we're going to be dealing with some mitochondrial dysfunction when we're dealing with mold. So that's going to include low muscle tone, brain fog, blood sugar issues, weight issues, low body temperature, intolerance to heat, chronic inflammation, not being able to fall asleep or stay asleep. Uh, We might wake up tired, even if we've had like eight plus hours of sleep. Then when we go to the mycotoxins specifically making us sick, some of mycotoxins symptoms when we are literally living in a water damaged building can include body rashes, nosebleeds, reactions to supplements, runny, blocked or stuffy nose, blocked ears, wheezing or whistling in your chest, shortness of breath when you're not doing anything strenuous, a blurry vision, ongoing SIBO issues, sensitivity to EMF, ringing in the ears, headache, feeling achy all over, a memory loss. I mean, the list goes on. So now that you have a good picture of what can happen in the body, I want to go through our episode today with Michael Rubino, who's the author of The Mold Medic, an expert guide on mold removal and the authority on mold remediation. As president of Home Cleanse, Rubino specializes in working with people who are immunocompromised or have acute and sustained reactions to mold exposure. Michael provides solutions that are not only to get rid of the mold spores, but also to get rid of the contamination created by those mold sources using his proprietary home detox method. He is a council certified mold remediator by IICRC and ACAC and contributing member, sponsor, and speaker for the Indoor Air Quality Association. Now, I've personally worked with at least 50 clients on remediation and testing and really going all the way through the remediation process. And it, oh man, you have to be so careful with testing and understanding things. And I love how Michael really clearly outlines what's needed. So without further ado, let's cut over to today's episode. Hey, my name is Leanne Vogel. I'm fascinated with helping women navigate how to eat, move, and care for their bodies using a low-carb diet. 
I'm a small town holistic nutritionist turned three-time international best-selling author turned functional medicine practitioner offering telemedicine services around the globe to women looking to better their health and stop second-guessing themselves. I'm here to teach you how to wade through the wellness noise to get to the good stuff that'll help you achieve your goals. We're supporting your low-carb life beyond the if-it-fits-your-macros conversation. Hormones, emotions, relationship to your body, workouts, letdowns, motivation, blood work, detoxing, metabolism. I'm providing the tools to put your motivation into action. Think of it like quality time with your bestie mixed with a little med school so you're empowered at your next doctor visit. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn about your body and how to care for it better. This is the Keto Diet Podcast. Hey, Michael, how's it going? Hey, thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, of course. Today, we're going to be talking about mold. It's one of my favorite topics, that and parasites. I can't decide which are my favorite. So I would love to start off by, I know I did your official bio and all the things, but how did you get going in this line of work? Well, my dad's been a restoration contractor since I'm a baby, essentially, and growing up around construction my entire life. I wasn't particularly interested in what I'm doing earlier on in in my, my life and career here, but... It was really after Hurricane Sandy hit the Northeast where I started seeing this pattern of people getting sick from living in these water damage environments. And I think what what really was interesting to me is some of these people had already had their houses quote unquote fixed, but yet they were still dealing with these effects. And upon further testing, we're finding problems, even though the wall looked perfect again, right? And so it really started intriguing me understanding what's happening, why is it happening, how is it happening? And, you know, I just became kind of obsessed with trying to figure out a solution for it. That's amazing. And there are good restoration companies and there are not so good restoration companies. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in our chat today of the, if if the wall looks fine, it doesn't always mean that the wall is fine. And that is something that constantly goes on with my clients who are sick from mold and their home looks fine. And so I really want to get into that today for us to really understand the health of our home and what that looks like, what that feels like. So I'm excited to to dive in and thanks for the work that you do. This is great. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm glad that I stumbled upon this and have been able to help so many people so far and, you know, I'm just getting started. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So let's kind of start from the very beginning. A very good place to start is when we are purchasing a home what are some of the things that we should be looking for as we are walking into these homes? Because you're saying if the wall looks fine, it might not be fine. How are we supposed to know if a home is fine or not? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, you know, the biggest problem that a home ever has is water damage, right? And that water damage leads to microbial growth, which includes mold or bacteria. And so we want to look for signs of water intrusion. And I recently bought a house, right? And, you know, to to make this story make sense, you know, the house, when you walked inside the home, it looked fine. You you wouldn't suspect any issues. There was no signs of water damage. There was water damage, but it was happening behind the wall, right? And so if there's not a lot of water and it's a slow leak or leaking over time, you're not going to notice that. So what I actually did was I inspected outside. And as I inspected outside, I noticed the windows, the seals around the windows weren't that great. I noticed there were some cracks in the stucco where water can be getting in. And so I knew, okay, these windows have to be replaced and the stucco work needs some repairs. No problem. 
But as I opened up the wall on the inside to inspect the damage, what I found was that the water damage was literally eating away at the wood, and I had to rebuild that entire wall that was essentially holding up my second floor and the roof of the house, right? And so, you know, it's it can be very deceiving what you see visually versus what is actually happening behind what you can see because we don't have x-ray vision. That's why I rely on testing, you know, so so much because I'm never worried about the stuff that you can see. I'm worried about the stuff that you can't. Completely, completely, completely. And now you mentioned a little bit ago, it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, that water touching materials inside a home or in the structural components of the home, not great. And that can cause bacteria and or mold changes. Did I, did I summarize that correctly based on what you said? Totally. Yeah. Cause you know, bacteria is another problem that often gets neglected in this whole air quality conversation. The a human being, every time you exhale a breath, you release something like 39 million bacteria particles into the environment. And what does bacteria need to survive? Just like mold, it needs water. Water is earth's life source. And so as we are spreading bacteria around the home constantly, and of course, the source of the water event could also bring in bacteria into the situation too, because there's bacteria abundant in the soil. So if water is coming in, passing through the soil, then coming into the house, that's a problem. Or if a you know drain pipe is leaking and that's what the source of the water is, there's bacteria in the drain pipes. So that's part of the problem. At any event, you know, there's all these things that you can't see because bacteria is too small for the, the naked eye to see as well. Mold is too small for the naked eye to see as well. All these things are, you know, creating an increase of particles and toxins that we're breathing in every time we take a breath, which is approximately 20,000 times a day. Wow. Wow. And so here's something that I have struggled with just in my mind, kind of looking at homes, the way that they're built. Is it that we need to keep fighting the environment from coming into our homes? Or is it that we need to build homes that are able to live with the environment better? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, we trying to keep the environment out of our homes would be a losing battle. You know, we need to build buildings that live within the environment, you know, and I think that that is really the biggest challenge that we face. Um, and we're going in a completely different direction, you know, really since 1970s, when we had the energy crisis and Richard Nixon was president, we started going more towards energy efficient homes, energy efficient homes, and, you know, let's use less energy and all that's good, right? Good for the environment. However, if we're not thoughtful about how it's impacting human beings living inside these places or our love pets, you know, that also creates a, a big issue for it's going to be very short-sighted. And that's what we're seeing happening. I mean, today I have more people contacting me that they're not feeling well, that they, they, they suspect that their home has some issues than ever before. And it's, it, it, you look at autoimmune disease, it's on the rise, right? If you look at chronic fatigue syndrome, which was really discovered in 1986 over this whole Lake Tahoe thing, you know, you're, you're seeing that 176 people that they discovered with chronic fatigue syndrome back in 1986 is grown to two and a half million people. And the cause, the, the, what they believe the cause for that was an airborne bacteria or mold issue, right? And so we're starting to see how this is continuing to become a worse and worse problem, how it's impacting more and more people, but yet there's still a very minute amount of people that are shouting this from the rooftops that, hey, we need to be more, pay more attention to our air quality. And I think that's kind of the, the bigger missing link that we're not seeing in this 
holistic health puzzle here. Yes, completely. And so to kind of go back to flowing through an individual, they're looking at the exterior and interior areas of the home, not just the walls, but further in. Now you said that you were kind of like picking away at the walls and you, it sounds like you cut open a wall when you were purchasing a home. Did you do that? Like in an inspection or like, yeah, I had to buy the home to do that part. Okay. Um, you know, so basically, so I went through the house. I actually had a company come out and do a bunch of testing too, you know, to really, cause there was stuff I couldn't see. Right. And I needed to know, and we tested that wall and we knew there was mold there. Right. And so there was no surprise there. I think the surprise was when we opened it up, the level of damage we found and having to rebuild the structure of it actually ended up being two of the four walls of the home had to be rebuilt. That was a bit of a, a surprise and definitely caused me to go over budget, which I'm sure so many people can can be are familiar with that, that fun construction process. But you know, when when I looked at it, I looked under sinks, I looked in the HVAC, I looked, you know, in the bathrooms, and you know, we we had some reason to believe that there were some issues and we just found more than we bargained for, like probably so many people listening to this right now. And, you know, it came down to looking at what was causing all of these things and how do we fix this properly and then create an environment that isn't conducive for mold and bacteria to grow. And so at the end of the road, that's where we went, but we had to make a decision to buy this home. And just like so many people listening, when they're buying new homes, you know, you, you have to make that decision. Is this place going to be, you know, something that I can manage? And that's what it comes down to. Because if you think that you can buy the perfect home, you will be looking forever. And so the goal is to buy a home that you think has good bones, you know, has what you want, enough of what you want, that you're then willing to spend whatever money you need to spend to make it yours and make it safe and healthy enough for you, right? Because everyone's going to have a different level of sensitivity to their environment and have a different need of maybe cleaner air quality than someone else might be looking for. And so, you know, it's, is this right for me? Mm -hmm. Now you just mentioned a couple of things that maybe made people listening a little bit nervous in regards to like cutting out walls and restructuring things and doing a bunch of renos why is this such a big deal? Like, is it necessary? I think we talked about this before we started recording of, I have, I work with a lot of women that have mold illness. It's a huge part of my one-on-one coaching and the women are generally full on like, yes, I know there's mold in my home. I know it's making me sick, but my husband, he doesn't see it. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't feel it. He just thinks, you know, it's in my head or I just, you know, I need to get, get an air filter and everything will be fine. Why has this been such a big deal that you've seen? Why is it important to you? And and what have you seen with your clients of of why it has affected them so deeply that it's a priority for them and their family? You know, all those questions are amazing questions. I want to share some stories. Gwyneth Paltrow is probably one of the highest profile clients I've had. And if you listen to her Goop podcast, you you get a little bit of glimpse of what she was dealing with. But essentially, she was severely sick from, from mold exposure. So much so that she was having extreme physical challenges with performing at the level she needs to perform every day. And you, we see that a lot. Is, is this, this really hampers people's quality of life? And this might happen for two of the four people living inside the home or one of the four people. And so there's always this disconnect between everybody else saying, well, I don't feel the same way you feel. We have to remember as human beings, things show up 
in our, in our bodies differently, right? We may walk into a really sick place together. I might get a headache and then think like, oh, I just have a headache. And you might have some severe gut issues and your skin might break out the next day. And you might just have a completely different response because we're all different. We all have different immune systems. We all have different DNA. We have different genetics, epigenetics. I mean, you know, you start to different diets, right? Even in the same household. So you you, you really have to start to understand that everyone is going to be impacted differently. And you have to, it, it takes getting to that mindset to be a little bit more understanding. That's step one. Step two is after Gwyneth fixed her home, she said she felt like she was in her 20s again, you know, and she just turned 50, right? And so you're starting to get this. She didn't, she just, doctors were telling her that this is her new normal, that she should just, that you're getting older and this is what it is. And you should, this is what, how you should feel from now on. And she just didn't accept that, right? And she started looking for answers, found doctors that thought differently, looked at her environment and, you know, the rest is behind her. I have other clients that are, you know, just a a mom from Florida who literally was so sick from her home that she had a GJ feeding tube installed into her lower intestine just to be able to get nutrients to survive. I wouldn't say thrive, right? That's just to survive. And within seven days of moving out, I I didn't even fix her home yet. She moves out of her house into an RV on her property. Within seven days of doing just that, GJ feeding tube is gone. And she goes from bed bound 95% of the time to walking again, to being able to hold their kids, feed her children, be a wife and a mother that she was desperately trying to get back to being, you know? And so we have to look at, you know, these are obviously some are some more extreme cases, but the problem is, is that I'm seeing more extreme cases now than I've ever seen before. You know, if I did one in 25 projects in a year earlier on in my career, you might see one or two extreme cases. Almost all of my cases are are at an extreme level at this point and people are really suffering. And so I think the importance of this could not be just stated well enough. You know, I view this as the, the biggest missing link that we have in our, you know, just our modern medical system. And the reason being is because we take 20,000 breaths per day. The modern building is built so tight with such a limited air exchange that anything happening in your home is amplified to the max, right? And so to give people a perspective, you know, back in the day, we had so much air infiltration in our homes that if you took a breath, you could have a big problem in your home, but you still were probably only breathing in one or two spores, you know, or or even, you know, 50 to 100 spores per breath, right? Whereas now it might be a million spores per breath, right? And so as you're seeing that the limited volume of air that we're breathing inside these modern buildings and homes, it is creating a much larger toxicity that our body then has to remove. And so we're seeing really what's what's becoming an epidemic of just poor air quality leading to an increase in poor health. And if you look at the, the World Health Organization, they estimate that 90% of the global population, nine out of 10 people do not breathe clean air. That's remarkable. Wow. Wow. I had no idea. That is very remarkable. Now, what might come up in people's minds, and I've heard this before, which is why I'm going there, is my home is making me sick. I'm just going to build a home and a new build will be much safer and better because it's not old. It's not going to have water damage. And then it'll be a clean slate. What are some of the things we need to think about when it comes to new home builds? And we kind of touched on this a little bit of 
just, they're going to be tighter and more sealed and therefore not breathe. And I know I had a concern when we built our home in Canada, we were told that how can mold grow here? It's so cold. Meanwhile, all of the studs and everything are living through the winter, getting wet and defrosted and wet and defrosted. And then we're putting up materials around it that have always also been wet from the snow and defrosted. And so how do we look at a new home build? Will a new home build be the solution to everything or where are the issues there? Well, I mean, I, I, I had a, I myself had an issue building a new house, you know, unfortunately led to litigation, which was amicably resolved. But at the end of the day, you know, mold in new construction homes exists. And, you know, you have to think about it from this perspective, if we're building with wood and, or cement that are semi-porous that absorb moisture, it's imperative to make sure that that building is dry before you start introducing HVAC components, insulation and drywall. I'm literally working with a client right now who is building a brand new home with a an amazing builder. I mean, it's not the builder's fault. It's just the conditions of how we build in the United States. He's following all the building codes. He's going above and beyond, but there's still mold there, right? And now we're having to remediate the structure before, you know, insulation and drywall goes in so that the the space is going to be a safe space. So, you know, not to say new construction can't be right for somebody. It can be, you know, when you're looking at a cost versus worth, that is just a financial decision that people make. Having a home built the way you want it to be built is great. Finding a good architect to be able to help you, you know, design the home that's going to be, you know, have better air exchange than, than typical homes that you just buy in a random community. All that stuff has, has a lot of positives, but just the negative aspect of it is if we don't plan for the water damage that's going to occur while the house is being built and we don't do something about that aspect, well, then we are likely to have a problem even in a brand new home, which I see all the time, unfortunately. The other thing you said about Canada, which is, you know, I have a pretty well-known client in Canada right now, has two homes with some pretty severe issues. Well, Canada, as you mentioned, is a cold market, right? And so people think, well, if it's cold, then there can't be that much humidity and whatnot. And so, you know, it's, it's all good. But when it's cold, you're having pretty severe thermal issues, meaning cold outside, hot inside, guess what? Windows are leaking. Yeah. What do you do with that aspect? Well, you have to start to figure out how do we insulate the building better? How do we dehumidify the building so that as moisture does accumulate, we're removing it. And there's a bit of a, a trick in science to that as well. And so, you know, I've even seen mold in Arizona where it's a desert and it's dry and you, you know, you shouldn't have that. Right. But the thing is we all have water systems that will eventually leak. It, it happens. And we don't really have the wherewithal as a, as a civilization, I should say, to stay on top of these things when they do happen. And so we've been building homes incorrectly. We've been maintaining homes incorrectly. And then we've been restoring homes incorrectly. And so this is a recipe for disaster. And it's why, you know, based on the largest home survey ever done in 1994 by John Spangler, and this is, you know, many years ago now already, 80% of homes had a history of water damage, 80%. So where do you go? You know, you, you gotta, you gotta kind of stay and fight and we all have to work together by being aware of the issue to course correct it. Let's talk about the symptoms of hypochlorhydria, also known as low stomach acid, abdominal pain, bloating, gas, diarrhea, constipation, undigested food in your stool. 
Acid reflux, heartburn, sound familiar? Out of all of the patterns I see in my clients' hair tissue mineral analysis and even in their blood work, low stomach acid is a huge issue. What helps stomach acid? Sodium. If you're on a ketogenic diet, chances are you are not consuming enough sodium. Now, sodium is the body's great solvent. It's a primary alkalizer and it influences stomach acid levels. If you're dealing with allergies, abdominal bloating, depression, dizziness, fatigue, low blood pressure, poor protein digestion, like you eat some protein and it just feels like it sits in your stomach, even weakness can be because you don't have enough sodium. Now, my favorite way to boost my sodium on a daily basis is to take at least three packets of Element electrolytes per day. That's a little bit hardcore for most people, but I tend to be a little bit more adrenal deficient. And so taking these electrolytes while I'm eating a low carb or even as deep as a ketogenic diet just takes things to the next level. I've been using Element here for over two years, and I can say they are the best electrolyte powder, hands down. If you've never tried Element, or maybe you just haven't found the right flavor for you, you're in luck. My friends over at Element put together a really sweet offer for us. Right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any order. That's eight single-serving packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors or share them with a friend that's maybe on the fence about joining your electrolyte party. Get yours by going to drinklmnt.com slash KDP. This deal is only available through my link. So you must go to drinklmnt.com slash KDP. Element offers a no questions asked refund also. It's totally risk-free. So if you don't like it, share it with a friend and get your money back. No questions asked. Again, that's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash K-D-P. Yes, completely. And the where do you go thing I think is really important to kind of touch on next because we've talked about what to look for in a new home. We've talked about a new home to you. Maybe it's an existing home when you're shopping around, what to look for in a new build and the concerns around that. But what if I'm currently living in a home? I think that it's making me sick. You mentioned a little bit about testing. What are some of the things that I need to be thinking about before I even get to remediation and even thinking about that? What are some of the initial steps if I think my home could be making me sick? So I had the opportunity to work with one of the largest labs in the country to develop a test called the dust test. And what it does is it uses PCR technology and it tests the dust. It's very easy. Anybody can do it. You can order it right now. You get a, a whole kit mailed to you. It's almost like a Swiffer cloth. You're collecting dust randomly across your home and it's analyzing that dust. And it's telling you the different species of mold that you might have. You can look at mold, you can look at toxins, you can look at bacteria component and you're understanding what's in your dust. Now, why would that matter? Because whatever is in your dust is getting into your body. And if you don't believe me, go on a sunny day near a window and watch that ray of light refract off all the dust in your air. And you're going to be like, wow, I'm breathing in dust right now. And when you see that and you can amplify that 20,000 times per day while you're awake, while you're sleeping, you're really going to get an understanding of how this impacts us. Right. And so the goal is to first answer the question, do I have a problem? And this can answer the question, if you have a problem, whether you see it or not. So if there's mold behind a wall somewhere, if there's mold in your HVAC, it's not abundantly obvious to you. This test is still going to identify that, which is really helpful. From there, 
you would then answer the question, well, where is the problem or problems coming from? And so now you're, now you bring this data to an inspector and you say, look, I don't need you to just do a random air sample in the center of my home and pass that off as an inspection. What I need you to do is I need you to help me find where the stachybotrys is coming from, where the ketomium is coming from, or the aspergillus versicolor is coming from, just as an example. And at that point, now they're doing an investigation and they're trying to understand where it's all coming from, right? And I think that having that information is what makes us successful as homeowners to then take action, right? Because, you know, if you look across a home, you're going to find a little bit of mold here, a little bit of mold there, right? And we're not concerned with, you know, these small amounts of mold. We're concerned with systemic issues and having that information to be able to pinpoint where these large problems are that are creating a big impact on the air quality are so that we're not tearing our house apart like Swiss cheese, just trying to figure out how to make this better. And everything that I do is data-driven and scientific-based. And that is, I think, the difference between me as a professional and like some random company that your insurance company recommends. Yes, completely. And how is the dust testing different than the air capture tests? Because a lot of the times a client or a person, an individual would think, okay, my home is making me sick. I need to call an inspector. And like you said, they go into the center of the room, they do an air capture test and they say your house is fine. Why wouldn't an air capture test, if there's dust in the air, why wouldn't it be enough to, to show us a very similar thing? Because the dust is too big to fit inside the cassette. It's just that simple. And so when you have mold spores or toxins attached to the dust particles, they're just going to bounce off, right? They're not going to get into the cassette. The difference being is that PCR technology is DNA analysis. It is specific. Microscopy, which is what the air test is. So just so you know how the air test is, they have a little pump that pulls air into this cassette. It traps these tiny particles like mold spores in this cassette, hyphal fragments sometimes into this cassette. And then they go ahead and they uh, there's a slide inside that cassette. They t- pull the slide out, they put it under a microscope and they analyze it. And so when you do an air test, you have a human being, someone like you or me, looking at a microscope, physically counting, you know, okay, one, two, three, that looks like aspergillus, one, you know, and, and that's how that's done. Whereas DNA analysis, you have specific DNA data that is irrefutable, right? It's, this is what it is and we know what it is. The thing about air testing is it can be helpful when it's more targeted, right? I I try to give this analogy all the time. It's like, you know, if I had a brain tumor, right, I would want a brain scan. The way in which they use air testing, right, just to give this example. Now, if they drilled a, you know, a cavity into my brain and did a test into my brain as an air test, right, to, to see, that would be pretty on target. But if they drill the cavity into my stomach, and pulled a a test from my stomach to identify if I had an issue in my brain, that's a bit like how air testing is used, right? They're testing in the center of a room, which by the way is the the least likely point to have any issues is right in the center because most issues are going to happen on an exterior wall or on an interior wall where there's plumbing. And what you'll notice with air testing, and I've known this because we've seen studies where the closer you test to the source, the higher the numbers are. And why do we care about that? Because we want to know how many particles is this source putting off into the environment that are becoming a part of our dust, that are recirculating into our air and opportunistically entering the body. 
because that is how we start to not feel well. Completely. And so it sounds like you feel like you're sick. Your home is making you sick. You do a dust test yourself to just determine things. And then you hire an inspector to say, here are the results that I have. Tell me where in the home this, where the sources are. I have run across this in my own experience and client experiences where you try to get an inspector and they're like, nah, I'm not going to pay attention to the dust test. That's garbage. You don't need that. There's nothing wrong with your home. Should it be a matter of just finding the right inspector that understands the quality of the dust testing and will work with you to kind of determine where those sources are? Because it sounds like understanding the sources are by far the most important piece. Because if you don't know, like you said, between the stomach and a brain, that's a big difference. And so you really need to know, is it in the kitchen? Is it under this window? Like you need some location. So is that kind of what I'm hearing you say is that's really the next step is determining those locations. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, let's bring this medical for a second. So I think a lot of people understand this. The dust test is a screening tool. It's like when you go to the doctor and you don't feel well, you're like, I don't feel well. I don't really know what's going on. What are they going to do? They're going to screen you and they're going to look for all these biomarkers and look for abnormalities. Then when they find something abnormal, then they're going to say, let's do further testing to figure out what that abnormality is, right? You, you don't just say, I don't feel well. And a doctor goes right to a specific test to test you for something as the first step basis. And so we're trying to emulate that medical process that we have because it's effective, right? Let's screen the home first. Let's figure out the abnormalities. And then let's start to go a little deeper and figure out where it's coming from, how it's happening, et cetera. Because like you said earlier, when we have these inspectors who just come in and say, well, I'll just do an air test, which is not a good screening tool at all because it only tests a small, very, very small circumference of space inside your home, right? That that's not effective. And so a lot of people are getting bad information and assuming their house is perfect because the inspectors are using the wrong screening tools as a, just an answer to the solution. Now, if somebody says something like, well, the dust test is hogwash and I'm not, you know, I'm not going with that or using that. Well, then that person is telling you that they're in a scientific field, but they refuse to use science. And so what they're telling you is they want to get paid a thousand dollars to come set up this pump and collect an air sample for five minutes and send it off to a lab as their job. And if your job as an expert in this field or as a professional in this field is not to help people identify problems, then you shouldn't be in the field. And so with that being said, don't give those people your hard-earned money that are not trying to help you solve a problem because that is what this is all about. Now, I just had a client who did a dust test and the test came back amazing. I was like, wow, this is a great home. You know, there was one species elevated and I was like, based upon that species, I bet you it's probably in the HVAC. Let's get the HVAC clean. Let's upgrade your HVAC filter and we're done here. Right. And so that happens, that does happen. And and when that happens, it's great news. But if there is a problem, you know, we want to find it. And so whether you're looking for peace of mind or you're looking to, to figure out a root cause of an issue so that you can feel better and have a better quality of life, well, then let's freaking find it. And, you know, let's stop giving our money to people that just don't want to find problems. They just want to tell you your house is perfect when it might not be. Yes, completely. So the next phase of this, we found an inspector. They are wanting to help us with problems. They found the problems. My understanding is that it's best to not have the inspector also remediate that you find like a third party situation 
where they're doing the remediation separate from the inspecting, perhaps. I mean, we could talk about that in a sec, but what should we be looking for in that remediation company? Like, what are some of the key aspects that we should be looking for? I'm going to mention fogging maybe a little bit later and questions about that. But what should we be looking for? Does the remediation company also need to be doing inspecting or kind of what does that look like and what makes a reputable company? Yeah. So what I recommend is don't use the same company to inspect and remediate. You know, I, my company does remediation, so we don't do testing or inspections. We rely on third-party data. I think because of the state of the industry, that is a necessity because there, there, it is far too easy to pass your own work, if you will. And as I mentioned earlier, all they have to do is take an air sample a couple of feet away and, and it's probably likely to look more normal. You know, you're just not getting an unbiased opinion of if the work was done properly or not. So I, I highly recommend using a third-party consultant because they, they have no skin in the game. They're just looking at information. In some states, it's actually illegal to do both an inspection and remediation of the property on the same, you know, like to do testing and clear your own work and all that stuff, right? And so keep that in mind, depending on which state you live in. In respects to the, you know, how do I find a, a good remediation company? That part is tough, right? Uh, I wrote a whole book on that. And I think the reality of the situation is, and you know, we have to understand why it's so tough. It's because the industry itself is an archaic industry, right? Like the entire restoration industry was created to assist insurance companies to be able to mitigate problems when people do have problems in their home. Because how can you insure a home if you, you can't be fixed, right? And so, you know, that, that entire industry is really from a cosmetic standpoint. Not, not to say that there are not some good people out there that are, you know, utilizing science and trying to do the right thing. But that is really the, the big problem is how the industry really was established and what the goal of the industry is. So there's a very small percentage of people that are looking to do things from a scientific perspective, from a health perspective. And I can confidently say that after watching what happened with Hurricane Sandy and what happens with almost every hurricane, where it looks like it was remediated, but when you do further testing, it's just the levels are still off the charts, right? And so therein lies the problem. I think what the goal is, is to, to find somebody that looks at a home holistically who's looking at creating a healthy home, not just removing a little bit of mold. Because I think that's where people get, uh, get, get hurt. When you're looking to remove mold, typically, from a health perspective, you're doing it with this intention of breathing better quality of air, right? And feeling better. Well, mold remediation is not designed to do that. It's designed to stop water at the source, remove mold at the source, there are no, literally no procedures for dealing with the byproducts of mold. Matter of fact, I, the EPA last year hosted a closed door YouTube session with doctors from Yale and Stanford talking about how, yeah, there was some mold in the basement. And then we tested on the second floor. We found the same types of mold up there, even though there wasn't a known source up there. But we don't know if we need to deal with anything about that. And it's like, well, I know that we need to deal with something about that because I'm watching people after remediation still not feel well because the effects, the particles and the toxins that have been created all this time for as long as they've had this problem are still there. And so you have to look at the HVAC, you have to look at the dust of the home, you have to look at, you know, 
any sort of system that could be moving contaminated air around your home through the dust and all the particles and toxins that have kind of become a part of our dust, or it just doesn't work, right? And so I beg people to, you know, you look at mold remediation as a tool to create a healthy environment. But if you think that a mold remediator is going to, you know, solve all of your problems, I think you'll be very disappointed and spend a lot of hard-earned money not getting the result you're looking for, unfortunately. So it sounds like, just to reiterate, it sounds like first you need to understand the source because that's where the colony is. You need to understand the situation that caused it, like the leak, right? So you got to fix the leak. Mm -hmm. But then there's also the contamination as a result of this. It's not just the location, the colony, and maybe you've cleaned that up and maybe the leak won't happen, but it's the aftermath that's happened throughout the whole home that needs to be cleaned, almost like fixing a contamination or cleaning a contamination. Did I get that right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's again, it's that contaminated dust, right? That, that still is there that has to be dealt with. The HVAC system might have been pulling in these particles and toxins for however long, right? And so that might need to be cleaned, sometimes even replaced if it gets really bad. And with that being said, you know, you have all these different pieces of the puzzle from a holistic standpoint, meaning looking at the home as a whole that could be impacting you. And so, you know, I've really, I've kind of broken down this process kind of like an architect would building a home. You know, we're looking at all the different facets and we're making sure we have a, a, the right project plan, not to just remove mold, but to create a healthy environment and to make sure that whatever happened, because you have VOC issues with when water damaged buildings, you know, you can have an increase of formaldehyde when certain materials are wet. And so, you have to look at every, you have to look at all the different angles and really understand how to improve the overall air quality. And I think that's the most ironic part about this. Mold remediation is supposed to improve air quality, but the way it's set up doesn't necessarily have anything to do with improving air quality outside of just opening this wall and, and making sure the mold is gone there. My friend, for a very limited time only, our friends over at House of Macadamia Nuts are giving you Nambian sea salted macadamia nuts in your first purchase plus 20% off. So you get like a free product plus 20% off when you go to houseofmacadamias.com slash TKP. And you're going to use the code TKP20 to get your 20% off plus your free macadamias. So a lot of remediation companies will come out there. A lot of my clients have experienced this and they say, okay, you have an unhealthy home. We're going to fog this. We're going to clean it all up and it'll be great. What are your thoughts on fogging when it comes to having a holistic home, like a holistically balanced home? So if you're doing fogging at the end, fine. Depending on the product that you're going to use, you might make things more challenging for yourself because if you're dissolving particles or toxins or it just, it could be harder to clean up, but that's a conversation for another day and there's too many variables there. But if you're fogging as a way to remediate your home, oh boy, are are you not going to be satisfied? Because first off, I mean, there's many different reasons, but you know, you're, you're relying on a product to permeate through your entire building. Right. And then we, we know our buildings are more airtight. So that, that, that's going to be a challenge in and of itself. 
then you're, you're hoping that that product, whatever it is you're fogging with is then going to kill everything. Okay. And that, that's, that's a fun discussion as well. But then even if all that worked, as they say, it does, right. You still have whatever opportunity is allowing mold to grow in the first place to still exist. Right. And so your windows are leaking and there's mold growing in your wall cavities. Okay, great. So let's just say all that works. It kills all the mold. I don't know what happens when it, when it's dead. Well, we're going to talk about that in a second. But then, okay, but the window is still leaking, so you're just going to get mold growth right again, right? And so if we're not resolving problems in our home, you know, it's, we're, we're not going to win here. It's like every time we have a headache, we just pop an Advil. Well, that's great. So if you want to just fog your house every day for the rest of your life, fine. But if we don't start getting to the root cause of issues, we're going to be miserable, right? Let's talk about killing for a second, all right? I don't want to be gruesome here, but you know, if we've ever watched like CSI or some of these shows, when something dies and gets shot or what, what have you, what, what happens? There's a freaking body there, right? There, there's evidence that something was alive is no longer alive. Okay. Now let's, let's take this out of the gruesome realm here and let's go to like, you know, weeds in our garden. Well, if we use weed killer, God forbid, right? What's going to happen to that weed? It's going to shrivel up and it's still going to be there. Well, then we should understand that organisms on planet Earth, I I don't know if this works on other planets, but for here, for sure, when it dies, something still exists in the material universe. And so what happens to dead mold? How does that impact the body as we inhale dead mold? Do we think it's going to be better? Well, why don't we look at the, what the EPA says? EPA says you should never try to kill mold. Because even dead mold can cause an adverse health reaction in some. I don't know why some and not all, but in some, okay? And so as we look to this, we have to better understand what the goal is. For me, if you're my client, my goal is to help you remove stuff from your environment. Not kill, not destroy, not hide, but remove. And that is where we see a really important impact into how people feel inside these spaces. Completely. I've had a handful of clients go the fogging route without anything else. And I've seen crazy symptoms following that, like worse than before. So I wanted to kind of get your opinion on that. I think the last place I want to take this conversation is the people that are listening right now that are like, I'm living in a home that's making me sick and I don't have the money to do this. I can't leave my apartment. I can't leave, whatever. I'm just not in a place to fix this. Are there Band-Aid solutions? Are there things that they can just try to improve the air as best they can? I always use the analogy of trying to clean the floor when the kids are running through the house with muddy boots on. Like You're just constantly cleaning and the kids are running back and forth with the muddy boots. But is there just something that they can do if they're in a, they're in a place where they just can't change their living circumstances. They don't have the money to start cutting through things. Are there things that can make somewhat of a difference at all? Well, financial accessibility is probably one of the biggest problems we have to solve, right? Because renovations are expensive. Costs of that has gone up exponentially since COVID happened. You know, there's material shortages, all kinds of complications, right? And that is a real fear that people have. We also have people that rent that can't open up a wall, right? And so how do we help those people? The first thing that I want to tell people is doing what you can matters. 
And a lot of people think like, well, if I only do some of it, or, you know, if I can only afford to clean and maybe upgrade filters that that's not going to make enough of a difference. You know, I can't promise that it's like a light switch and all of a sudden you're going to feel better, but I can promise you scientifically, if you do something, you will make a difference. And that is really important. Going back to the whole conversation of particles and toxins entering the body, right? That's the problem we're trying to solve. And of course, removing sources is, you know, the, the most effective way to do this, because as long as you have something creating particles and toxins, the muddy boots analogy is great. Another one is like, if you have an overflowing bathtub, you know, putting towels down without shutting off the faucet first, it, it's kind of like that, right? But does that mean that we should give up and roll over and die? No, it means that we're going to have to fight a little harder. You know, if you're in a moldy place and you're a renter, you know, get the data you need, talk to a lawyer, get out of that moldy place, right? In the interim, while you're trying to do that, keep the place as clean as possible because all of these particles and toxins, no matter where they're emanating from, are going to become a part of our dust and they're going to, to enter our body. And so removing dust as frequently as possible is going to be key. Air purification Another way of removing this, these, this dust and, and particles with it while it's aerosolized, another great strategy. And finally, upgrading our HVAC filtration systems. I can't tell you how important that is because mold and bacteria is too small for our filters to stop them. And so they bypass our filters and they get right into our HVAC systems and our coils, especially if you live in a climate where you're using air conditioning, they always condensate. And so when it's condensating, it's water present. And when mold and bacteria reach that, that evaporator coil, when it's wet, it starts to grow. And so we have to prevent that from happening through better filtration. And so, you know, it's part of it, you know, looking at our, our cleaning products, what we're using to clean, are we using disinfectants? Do we have a surfactant in that disinfectant so that we're helping degrease and remove more particles and toxins as we're cleaning? These are things that, you know, I try to help people audit so that they can get, you know, the relief they need. You know, it's my goal is to help people regardless of their budget or situation, right? And and that that is never an easy thing to do, but it is my personal mission because I believe that this is so important. And until we have the protections in place globally to prevent people from being in these situations, and to give people the support they need when they're in these situations, you know, it's, it's all, all we can do right now. People have to remember smoking cigarettes. It took 50 years for us to realize smoking cigarettes maybe weren't as good as we thought. I mean, it sounds crazy now, but like that's, that's the reality. You had doctors in advertisements for cigarette companies back in the day saying, this is the brand I smoke. You smoke, people smoked in hospitals and airports on planes right? They used to make cigarette lighters in cars. It was a thing. We, we all did it. It was part of our society. And it took 50 years for us to say, maybe this shouldn't be part of our society anymore. Well, we're at that infancy stage with air quality. We have some people that are ringing alarm bells, but for most people, it's just not a known thing. And if it's not a known thing, then we're not going to have good legislation. We're not going to have good protection in place for people who need it support systems. You know, the way I see this going in the future, the only way this works is if insurance companies have to provide better insurance for families. And obviously we have to create a win-win there. If we have better policy reform for people who are renting 
you know, the biggest challenge with that is if you own an investment property as a landlord, you don't have mold coverage when you insure that building. You can only get mold coverage if you live in that property. And so for most landlords, why they start freaking out when someone says the word mold is because they're not covered. So if it's hundreds of thousands of dollars to fix their building, they're on the hook for that, right? And so when we look at the system, the system is broken. The system needs to be changed. And if we do that, and the only way we do that is by being aware together, by asking our legislators and our governments when we're electing them, when we're trying to, to really reform this policy, that this matters to our civilization and people are suffering. That's when we can really start to bring this, you know, change this. I mean, you know, we never, disability, having disability for folks, that, that was something that came into fruition. You know, it wasn't from at the birth of our nation, you know, welfare, right? Something that came into fruition as it became a problem. It wasn't in existence at the birth of our nation. And so we're, we're at this pinnacle, whatever we're going to call this, but it is needed. And that is how we solve accessibility on this grand scale. But for right now, what we need to do is educate ourselves and empower ourselves to be able to do what we can so that we don't suffer in the process. Yes, Michael, completely. I couldn't agree with you more. I feel like we could chat about this for forever. Where can people find more about, you mentioned your book, you mentioned the dust test. Where can people find these resources from you? So my book is going to be updated very shortly. I'm still in the process of writing some of the content. So it, it, the mold medic and experts got a mold removal is probably not going to be available much longer because it's going to come offline and be redone and then be represented with new information because guess what? We're, we're still actively learning and people can find me going to the michaelrubino.com. So T H E M I C H A E L R U B I N O.com. And if, if they just are interested in anything that I personally am doing in regards to if they, you know, think they might have mold, might want to get a, a dust test, might want to talk to, you know, us about, you know, potentially creating a healthier environment for them with it, with the resources they have, you know, they can go to homecleanse.com, but, you know, just, just really excited to not only be here, but just be here for people who need this type of endeavor. Cause I think every, everybody does 80% at least. And, you know, just happy to help answer any questions that I can to help as many people that I possibly can. That's amazing, Michael. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. And I'll be sure to mention those links also at the beginning of the episode. So you guys have a bunch of places to know where to reach out to Michael. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed our time with Michael. You can get more information by going to instagram.com slash the mold medic. You can also get his book at allamericanrestoration.com. His website is also homecleanse.com. So there are a bunch of different resources you can use to reach out to him. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and we'll see you back here next Tuesday for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Thanks for listening. Join us next Tuesday for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Looking for more resources? Go to healthfulpursuit.com for keto meal plans, weight loss programs, low-carb recipes, and oodles of free resources to get you going. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. 
We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representation or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program. 